Okay, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Mother and Crone. But first, we got to talk about what's in our cups, and Melinda is going to head us in that direction with pomegranate. This is our so this is our Mother's Day episode. Happy Mother's to all the mamas out there, and slash pagan parenting episode. So I wanted to talk about pomegranate because there's a lot of good things um, about pomegranate. So it's really good antioxidant. It's good for inflammation. It's really good for your immune system. It's also, some studies have shown that it might have anti-cancer properties and you can also use it as a facial toner. Um, I'm not sure if I already said weight loss, sorry. Um, but also good for, because it is an anti-inflammatory, it's good for that time of the month. Um, with menstrual cramps and things like that. So it's really good for that. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because I love pomegranates. I'll just eat the seeds and. Oh, so the fruit of um, hell. Yeah. I'm all about that. <laughs> and um, so also the magical properties, it is um, the elephant, the elephant. Oh my God. It's live. Sorry, you guys. The element is fire. Um, the masculine, the gender is masculine. Its planet is Mercury. And then some of the different names is Carthage Apple, which I've never heard of that. So it's like other folk names. Uh, Grenadier and Malacorio. So that was interesting. And also pound garnet. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because it's the color of a garnet. It you is. That deep, deep, deep red. It's not the. Um, and if you don't slice it right, you might find yourself pounding it maybe. I oh, you'll find it all over your house, your ceiling, your walls. Yeah. Uh, but I love a pomegranate. It, and north. it's very good. It's good for fertility. Oh, um, also, luck, wishes, wealth, and divination, hmm. which I thought was interesting. I just know up north, they come out, usually we can get them like November, December time frame. Uh, of course, Fruit of the Underworld, you know, the whole nine yards. So I would always, I was always on the lookout for them. Here in Florida, I get them more often. They're almost year-round down here. So that makes it really nice. I can just go to the store anytime. I don't have to wait for a certain period to get my pomegranates. But I, there is a way to peel them so that you there don't is. wear them. Yes, There is. You and YouTube is really good for that. Yeah, YouTube it. You can <laughs> YouTube learn how to do it. But and while really you're at, while you're on YouTube, go to Tea Time with Mother and Crone and like and subscribe. <laughs> but yes, YouTube is great for that. It really is. Or Pinterest even. Pinterest has yeah. those little snippet of videos. So I want to get into it. Um, tonight we are talking about pagan parenting slash Mother's Day. So um, I actually have a really good book that I recommend. It's called Witchy Mama. You can get it where books are sold. I bought this, gosh, a long time ago. Um, Magical Tradi Traditions, Motherly Insights, and Sacred Knowledge by Melanie Marquis and Emily A. Francis. This is a really cool book because this starts from like all the way to 
fertility spells all the way through like childhood with your child and things that you can do in adolescence. So it kind of gives you that full, like from conception to, you know, childhood. It's really, it's, it's a really neat book. Um, there's a few things that I wanted to point out and then we'll take a midway commercial break. <laughs> but, um, as we said, Mother's Day, of course, fertility, you're a mom. Um, and also talking about the pomegranate. So I wanted to thought that talk about fertility charms and symbols from around the world because I thought it would be interesting and appropriate. Um, in China, bamboo is the is in the bedroom and is believed to boost fertility while keeping your home's front entrance clean and clear will help relieve barrenness. So I thought that was interesting. In Mali. I'm sorry. Keeping the front entrance clear is almost, if you look at it, keeping your clear and clean. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And also just energetically, I think as well, so that you're open to receiving. Um, And Molly wearing a necklace made of shells is believed to increase one's fertility. And, And yeah. Beach bunny, you stay away. Yes, that's why I'm going, ooh. Um, in Celtic culture, women who hoped for babies would make a string of hazelnuts that would be hung in the home or worn around the neck as a powerful fertility charm. Hazelnuts? Really? A string of hazelnuts. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And then just to skip ahead a little, so pomegranates is one of the things that was um, – mentioned and just as a brief little story for those of you that are not familiar with it um in ancient greece pomegranates were associated with demeter a fertility goddess with persephone demeter's daughter and with hera the goddess of marriage the fruits were often given as wedding gifts to help encourage lust and or an abundance of children In China, pomegranates were placed on the bridal bed along with other fertility symbols in order to help bring children to a newly married couple. In Latin America and other places where Santeria is practiced, pomegranates take a prominent role in certain fertility rites. Oh, I did not know that. I did not know that either. Um... And what, and it says the right requires the woman to write her name on a piece of paper and to place the paper between two halves of a pomegranate. Yamaya, a Yoruban moon goddess, is then petitioned to help make the woman fertile, just like the fruit. And then it even includes the pomegranate fertility right in full detail in here. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Another one is coconuts for fertility. Really? I know. In Bengal, the milk from a green coconut that had been blessed by a holy person was considered to be a powerful potion to boost fertility. Okay, that's interesting. I, just, I thought that was interesting. connection, but okay. <laughs> In India, a special vase known as the Purna Kalasha is used in many fertility rites. Filled with water, topped with a coconut, and crowned with a ring of mango leaves. The Purna 
Kalasha represents the fertile womb. And the coconut is also associated with fertility in Sri Lanka. And then it has a coconut fertility right in here. I just, I, coconuts, I, I can see the pomegranate because it's a million seeds inside. So right. obviously fertility. The coconut, I just, I, I don't see it, but I'm sure it's, it's really cool in the culture. Well, maybe like, and I guess maybe also when they're talking about coconut milk, maybe like. Mother's milk. Mother's milk. milk. I would maybe I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's wrapping your head around another culture's idea of something. Right. And we don't know the behind the scenes story of how the coconut was came to be. Just like, you know, we now know the story of why it's called the fruit of winter for the pomegranate, right. the fruit of hell, because we know the story behind it. So once I'm sure the story behind it is understood, then you'll understand it better. Exactly. And um, there's also animal symbols. If you are, if, if you like working with animal energy and animal medicine, which I particularly do, I love my animal workings. Um, animal symbols have also been employed by many people around the world in hopes of increasing the chances of getting pregnant and having a baby. In um, many cultures, bulls are associated with male virility and cows are associated with female fertility. In China, fish and elephants are associated with fertility. And that kind of reminds me of like a, a koi pond, even though you know, with the fish. Um, frogs have received similar acclaim in South America, Central America, Italy, and Egypt. Have you ever heard of Frogs yeah. being a thing in Italy? Yeah. There's a lot of, <laughs> um, a lot of, you know, you have to remember Italy, um, when Rome went out and conquered everybody um, right. during the time, uh, a lot of other cultures were kind of drawn in. So there was no actual Roman pantheon. They took the right. Greek pantheon and converted it. So they did that with a lot of different things. So a lot of times when things um, they say are Italian, when you go back and look through it, it really wasn't. We just kind of absconded with something and right. we're like the Borg. We just absorb. So we absorbed it into our culture. So sometimes you'll, that's why a lot of times you hear the same, almost the same or very, very similar stories about cultures and myths right. because as they I mean, take, yeah. right. right as people have spread out um, and brought back this stuff, they bring back the tales of the other cultures. Um, that's why they're saying now that they're, they're constantly renewing and refiguring out um, where the birthplace of man was and how, like we thought that, you know, the native Americans were a hundred percent Asian and they come across the Bering Strait. That's what we were taught in school. Now we're finding out that no, that might not be how they right. got there. Right. Exactly. Um, and then of course you rabbits. And that's the first thing that I think of. I mean, um, the widely revered as symbols of fertility because of their prolific breeding, um, England, United States and other places, and some ways that it says you can incorporate the animal um, is you can get like stoned, those little animal carvings that they have. Yes, I have one like, on my altar. Yeah, and you can put it in like your, you can carry it with you. You know, bra is always a good place for those crystals. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you that don't 
do that. But um, altar, you can put it on the altar, you know, all sorts of things. Those little animal wood carvings. You can also, um, even what you wear, like if you have like a scarf that has like an owl on it, you know, my, my barn owls, you know, even something like that, if it had something like a rabbit or a frog on it for fertility, if that's what you're going for. And we're moving forward. We're not going to talk about fertility the whole time, I promise. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And then it goes into how you can, you know, create a fertility offer uh, altar, excuse me, and leave offerings there. You can visit it every day and meditate and things like that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then moving on to pregnancy, um, there's essential oils you can use during pregnancy. However, some you should not use, never internally, but there's also some topically that are not safe during pregnancy. So I thought this was interesting to bring up. Um, I'm not going to read all of them because there's a pretty good list, but um, do not use. So I'll read all the do not uses. How about that? And then warning, warning. Um, bay laurel, birch, um, kajaput, cinnamon, clary sage, clove, eucalyptus, ginger, juniper berry, lemongrass, nutmeg, pennyroyal, peppermint, rosemary, sage, Spanish sage, tarragon, thyme, white sage, and wintergreen. Those are the no-nos for topical essential oils. Right. And it makes sense if you think about those type of herbs because they're very strong herbs. Well, some of those herbs are also herbs that can cause contractions. Right. Exactly. So, and, um, yeah. there were a lot of herbs that uh, early shamans and Native Americans and um, wise women used to use to end pregnancy. So, mm -hmm. some of those that you mentioned, I, I remembered a few of them. Um, right. Because once you put it on topically, some of it does go into your system. That's right. why it's it very, if you are carrying it is very very important for you to even know what kind of hand cream you're using um, as well as anything body washes shampoo um, I had extreme I was um, very high risk carrying mm -hmm. my son and my pregnancies were were extreme so I had the, the list it was better to give me the list what I could have other than the list I couldn't have and right. a lot of things I didn't quite understand, but when you understand what process, whatever chemical you put on you contributes to your body, then you right. realize how much stuff we do daily. We don't even stop twice to think about. Oh, I know. Absolutely. And we talked about that when we talked about the daily rituals, how we're doing rituals and not even realizing. So it's routine, but some of the ones um, really quickly. So, these are some safe ones, and I'm not going to do all of them, but just touch on some main ones. You dilute one to three drops of essential oil to one ounce of a carrier oil, such as sweet almond, jojoba, or, or organic grapeseed. Um, some of them would be blue or blue, or what might also be called as German chamomile. That's good. Bergamot, frankincense, geranium, jasmine, lavender, myrrh, marjoram, rose, and yang, uh, Lang Lang, <laughs> I always mess that up. Um, 
So those are some main ones. Um, so I thought that was important to point out. And I also wanted to touch on mother goddesses of different pantheons. Oh. So moving right on into that, um, Anna Hit, and I'm probably saying that wrong again, you know me, I apologize, um, is Armenian. She's the goddess of healing, birth, fertility, beauty, beauty, water, and wisdom. Her symbols are the rose, the dove, gold, and water. Anahit can be called on to help with conception difficulties, protect the womb, ease childbirth, and aid in lactation. Connect with Anahit through dance, music, or offering of rose, roses or water. You might also wear a special piece of gold-toned jewelry to invoke her energies. And, you know, that brings up a point a lot of people don't realize. If you look at the different epithets of these deities that you are having a relationship with or you're researching more about, how really easy it is, and this points it out here, that you can tap into those energies that you're trying to, you know, invoke. Like just wearing a piece of gold jewelry because this goddess is associated with gold. You know, just little things like that. Or like if I'm calling on Hecate and I want to have like my snake necklace on or, you know, something like that. You don't realize. Right. Or my key necklace. I have that too. Or I have her, um, I have her Hecate sigil too. So it's just like all those little things you don't realize. Some of, some people think it's just a piece of jewelry, but you can, it's all about intention. So you can set that. Um, Then there's also Sybil, goddess of motherhood, fertility, animals, mountains, and the wild earth. Her symbols used are are unpolished stones and the lioness. Fierce, protective, and powerful, Sybil can be called on to provide extra strength, defense, and energy for mothers and children alike. Connect with Sybil through ecstatic music, drumming, and dancing, or by meditating on the lioness totem. So I thought that was that was cool. Um, <clears throat> Hathor, we mentioned her briefly um, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Valentine's Day, I believe. But she is <clears throat> Egyptian goddess of childbirth, motherhood, fertility, love, joy, music, and dance. Known as the mother of mothers... Hathor can be called on for protection and comfort during childbirth to help ensure a pleasant and successful pregnancy and to increase the joy and pleasures of motherhood. Her symbols are cows, drums, sistrums, and mirrors. Connect to her through music making or by gazing into a mirror. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And then I was trying to find some more lesser knowns or at least not as mainstream um well those are the two main ones um then of course you have Rhea which is a Greek goddess of motherhood fertility mountains and the earth gentle and comforting Rhea can be petitioned to lessen the pains of labor and bring the mother's strength during delivery her symbols are the lion the oak and the chariot and you can connect to her through playing drums, horns, or cymbals, through dancing, through offerings of oak leaves, or through meditating on the lion totem. So that I thought that was interesting. We have goddess 
deities and one is a masculine totem and the other is a feminine totem that's that's interesting um well they say you got to be a strong woman to have a child and men are not strong enough to have a child so <laughs> and well and, perspective a little bit right and so also it's sort the way that I look at that is, is the balance, like the yin and yang, the knowing that we do have masculine and feminine energies in ourselves. And it's important to have the balance to draw on both of those aspects of us to be able to, you know, set our intention with certain things. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then there was just a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we talked more about Mother's Day. Some other animals are bear, um, confidence, and practicality characterize the mother bear totem, encouraging us to make our kids our number one priority while making the best use of our skills and resources. So I thought that was interesting. In the wild, many bears, such as the American black bear, rely on their mothers for food protection and education. And then it goes just more into, you know, how you could use bear. Crocodile, which I thought was interesting. Crocodile? <laughs> I know. Wisdom, ferocity, and awareness characterize the mother crocodile totem. Crocodile mothers guard their nests throughout the incubation period, and they're so in tune with their babies that they can hear their cries even before they hatch. Wow. Okay. I know. I just can't fathom. I know. I thought that was ferocious when danger strikes, but careful and protective toward her own brood. The crocodile mother reminds us that both strength and gentleness are necessary for successful parenting. I would have never thought of crocodile. I, that would have been the last creature. I'm thinking lioness. Yes. Makes bear. You um, always hear mama bear, you know. Right. And you, you already associate that. I have my alligator tooth. Not a crocodile, but I have my alligator tooth. You have an you know, alligator tooth, yeah. When in Florida, you kind of. Yeah, when in Florida. Right. Alligator is quite tasty. I will tell you, I had it. It's it's yeah. done right. Now, it's, there has been restaurants here where I'm like, mm, so caveat. But, yes, it's good. And we don't want any hate mail from that either. We're allowed to say that. <laughs> um, just a couple other things on the animals. So eagle is far-seeing and high-flying. The mother eagle totem illustrates the value of attaining a broad-minded yet keenly aware perspective on parenthood. Eagle moms, and it reminds me of like Boy Scouts because of your background. Eagle moms keep a close eye on their young, staying with them in the nest for the first couple of months, then gradually moving to nearby perches to continue overseeing and providing food until the eaglets are able to fly and hunt on their own. So I thought that was, um, the eagle mother reminds us to take a step back sometimes and see the bigger picture. So I thought that was interesting. I can kind of see eagles in Maryland. We have a lot of sanctuaries and they are very, very protective of their nests. So right. I can kind of see that more than I can the crocodile. Sorry, I'm still wrapping my head around the <laughs> crocodile. I know. And the one thing about bear I wanted to point out. So although they're quite busy, mother bears know the value of rest. So be sure to save some time for extra sleep and relaxation. And we've talked about that in past episodes about the self-care and 
to know when you have to put yourself first and mom needs 10 minutes to meditate and leave me alone. Um, elephant for commitment and compassion are the trademarks of the mother elephant totem. Nursing their young for up to three years. Well, they carry the baby for how long? I know, I know. Like. And I know. And keeping them close throughout childhood or beyond, elephant mothers are a source of affection, strength, and reliability for their children. The elephant mom reminds us to be dedicated parents committed to our duties and also urges us to accept help when we need it from the people we trust. Which makes sense because of how they go and... Well, whenever they're attacked, they put the babies in the middle, mm -hmm. and then they all stand with their butts towards the middle, face and out to attack. Yep. And you can even see that in the Jungle Book, because yes. that's, that's the <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah, I've seen that um, National Geographic has had. Oh, yeah, and you can look on YouTube. I, I saw one actually the other day. A baby fell in a pool, and not only the mother, but the other elephant were rallied and they were frantically getting the baby out but they were working together it was really yeah, there and of course elephants are so 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 intelligent um so i thought that was interesting and then gorilla is the peaceful protective and affectionate the mother gorilla totem encapsulates the idea of nurturing sustaining love mother gorillas sleep with their young hold them cuddle them feed them teach them and protect them for the first two and a half years of the life, the young gorilla often travels on its mother's back for safety, observing everything she does and absorbing essential knowledge, all while strengthening the mother-baby bond. The gorilla mother teaches us to give our time and energy to our babies, but not and not to be stingy with our shows of affection. And then this is another one you might not have thought of with the crocodile, turtle. Tenacious, methodical, and independent, the mother turtle totem illustrates the value of advanced planning and preparation. I thought this was interesting. After carefully choosing an ideal nesting site, the mother turtle lays her eggs and goes on her merry way, leaving it up to the babies to feed and protect themselves. <laughs> I feel That's like this. Why I'm thinking nurturing. I'm, I'm like going, wait a minute, turtles leave their young. Right. But this is, but what I love about this, if you, if you hear everything that's being mentioned, it's a different totem for each different style of parenting, a different type yes. of mom that you are. So I thought that was interesting. Like if you're the eagle mom, you know how it kind of, and then it says, um, yeah, leaving it up to the babies to feed and protect themselves. It might sound heartless to us humans who hopefully know better than to abandon our babies, but at the same time, the freedom enjoyed by the turtle mother is attractive and reminds us to avoid the urge to hover and micromanage every aspect of our children's development. Our babies, just like turtle babies, <laughs> have instincts and they need a reasonable amount of room to grow and explore independently of their parents. Turtle mamas are not always so uninvolved, however. Yellow-bellied sliders have been observed teaching their young how to swim, while Amazonian river turtles have been heard communicating with their hatchlings through vocalizations intended to coax the turtles into the water. Turtle moms take their space, but only after they take care of business. 
So I thought that was cool. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective on motherhood. It really is. It is. And the last one was wolf, oh. which, yeah. Uh, intuitive, intelligent, and family-oriented, the mother wolf totem teaches us to trust our instincts and to value our social and emotional bonds. For the first few weeks after a mother wolf gives birth, she rarely leaves the den, preferring to stay with her pups to provide them with milk, warmth, and protection. As the wolf pups grow, other members of the wolf pack lend their aid to care and educate the young. Wolf mothers have tremendous endurance and are highly reliant on the rest of the pack, reminding us that even though we can survive independently, we can all use a little help now and then. That's probably the best one I've heard so far. Yeah. Because we are under the impression that we are women, we can do it all. And I prefer it takes a village to raise oh, a child. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And the whole stigma of you have to be super yes. and you have to do, you know, absolutely. So skipping over really quickly to there was, I wanted to kind of touch on little aspects for everyone tonight so like people that might be more into animals and then people that might be more into crystals there's some crystals in here too um now these are for peace and relaxation and this goes back to the mama <laughs> and needing peace and relaxation you can also um carry them you can carry them throughout the day place them around your home out of reach of small children of course um and you can, of course, hold the stone in your hand to help calm yourself. So this is like more talking about fast forwarding, like after childbirth, when tantrums are happening, you're up all night, you're not getting any sleep, those type of things. Or just in general, like now I have, you know, a 4, 12 and a 22 year old, you know, or, or you who has grown kids. These are still good general crystals for peace and relaxation. Yeah, as no kids are grown, you can pick them up. You're holding it. You can always toss them for peace yeah. and quiet. Yeah. If you hit them just right, it'll knock them out for a couple hours. There you go. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> so just to name a few, um, your agates are good. Blue lace, crazy lace, which I don't know if I've heard of that. I'm going to have to talk to Miranda about that. We are going to have to talk to her. I don't think I've heard of crazy lace. Go to the store and be like, hey, give me some of that crazy lace agate. <laughs> I drive her nuts when I go to her store anyway. <laughs> and then moss agate also um, eases fears, relieves stress, and encourages hope and cooperation. Amethyst lowers stress, restores balance, brings contentment, transforms negativity, and promotes peace. Aquamarine clears the mind, calms, relaxes, promotes peace. Um and they all are relatively the same, so I don't want to just kind of be repetitive, yeah. but um, carnelian, howlite, jet, lapidolite, moonstone, rose quartz, and topaz were some good ones. So I thought that was good. And then as far as the, it also talked about different um, scent magic for sleeping to help your kids go to sleep now. I still have to deal with that, and she's four. But it's probably it's mostly because big sisters, you know, close proximity. They have a later bedtime, so she's sure as hell not going to go to bed at a normal four year old bedtime when big sister is staying up until a 
you know, teenage bedtime. So it's like, ugh. But I have, luckily, it's kind of fun for Fiona. So we'll do like, it's like the night night magic lotion and it's all full of lavender and stuff like that. And, um, but you can also do little satchels. That's really, um, sachets and little mojo bags. You can make your own sprays with essential oil and spray their pillow. I used to always do that with the kids. Um, but chamomile, geranium, lavender, rose, and vanilla are good scents. It actually even says vanilla is a rich, warm scent that soothes and relaxes to promote deep, peaceful sleep. Now, I love vanilla, but I never, I, you always hear about lavender, but you don't necessarily hear yeah, about these for you don't sleep. Hear about that. I mean, lavender is always about lavender. Lavender. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but vanilla is a good idea. I never thought about that. The other thing I like, if you have a smaller child who will not get out of the crib or an older child that you can trust around the little misters, you can drop a few essential oils in that and mist the room with that. Kind of like a humidifier when they're little, when they need, you know, their nose opened up and you run the eucalyptus. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can do the lavender the same way. We had an issue. All children go through it. There's a period of time where they don't want to sleep. When Mm. it's usually critical when you need to sleep, they can't sleep. I've noticed that there's something in the mechanism there. And, yes, I have used the lavender in, you know, his little mister. I, you know, fill it up with, like, lavender. You know, and you set it there, and it's like it. It would help. Um, any and also, of- I try to make it fun. Like, you and know, that kind of ritual what? usually makes it fun. If you do, it does some kind of something that they know that it's special, that it's you know just a certain thing for them, kind of thing, and it, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, because um, high yeah. when you need the Benadryl. I yeah, yeah. so I Fiona and I because she out of all the kids has like at this age is like the worst about going to bed but like I said she also has the older sisters where you know so but we make it like a fun little thing where we talk about dreamland and we go and we'll visit each other in dreamland because I'm sort of trying to teach her like the astral plane and you know trying to wedge that in there but like she doesn't realize what I'm getting at yet. She's four, <laughs> but but um, we kind of make it fun, and she, you know, in her mind, she's she loves mermaids, so she's like, we're mermaids in her dreams, and so we come, we'll meet each other in Dreamland, and we'll talk about, well, what color is your mermaid hair going to be tonight? Oh, and what color is your fin going to be? You know, and we just make it fun. And we talk about the Sandman. And we're like, come on, the Sandman's waiting for you. He's got to sprinkle his Sandman dust and get you all to have a good night's sleep. You know, just little fun things like that. And it helps. some Most of the time. Most yes. of the time. There, it was, I had um, a two-year-old teething and a 16-year-old. And I now I look back and I'm like, oh, my goodness. My daughter would come in and I, you're grounded for a year. Why? Why? What did I do? You breathed. Right. You just we all have those moments. You do. And it used to be you grew up multi-generational families together. So there was always someone that 
could help you. An older, usually an older female relative, grandma, aunt that could come over and just give you those little words of wisdom when you are at your wit's end and you're, you know, you just, you're a mess. You're in a puddle in the middle of the floor and you just can't function, you know, come in and, and just tell you a silly story or just help you along. We are very much isolated now and we've almost done that to ourselves. And I think that's a real shame. We don't celebrate our motherhood with our womanhood. And yes. we miss the, um, growing up with the grandmother or the, the aunt or the great aunt. I mean, you know, some of us were lucky enough to see those and you, you kind of isolate, you go to a different town, you move somewhere different. You're just hanging out with friends your age, but what you're missing out on is all of those years of wisdom. Right. Um, I was fortunate. I got to grow up for a period of time with my grandmother, my father's mother. So, there were words of wisdom that were given to me. There were things that were said. Um, his, my father's um, brothers and sisters were all very close. Um, and so I grew up with a lot of aunts and uncles that I was close with. So it right. kind of helped that I had that gap to fill in. But I was the only relative in Baltimore. And when I gave birth to my son, um, there were things I didn't know. I'm, you know, I adopted, I had older children, but I had this newborn and it's like, now what do I do? And I was fortunate. I did have an aunt who would relay things to me. Like, don't you remember when you were a baby and this happened? And I'm like, sure. I remember. Right. Okay. But it, we isolate now and we're not looking at those generations that used to be like house down or across the street or even in the same house where they could right. give you some of those words of wisdom. So it's much harder for women today because you're not very many times, you're not even in the same state as your mother. No. You know? I mean, I didn't know my grandmother because we were in Jacksonville. My grandmother lived in Arizona. So my mom was not with her, you know, so right. it's like, and because of that, I never really knew my grandmother and she passed when I was, young i mean i was eight or nine so i mean right. and i and only didn't get those generational stories about no. oh when you know your uncle was teething we did this or if he had a, a upset belly we did this right kind of and then my dad's side of the family you know i was born in california and my dad's side they're all still over there so even then i didn't have right. that side. so it's like you know and i mean yeah. of course we talk in things but it's not like that in the home you know, seeing or each other, by, right. That they could say, right. to you, you know, you could say the baby's been up all night. What am I going to do? And you're in tears and your nose is running. And, you know, you have this older female who can say, let me tell you how to fix that. Right. You know, and I was very fortunate. I did not have my mom, but I had a wonderful aunt and probably the world's best mother-in-law. Cool. I had one. I don't, I, I, um, later on yeah, I did. I had a really great mother-in-law too. And I miss her. Yeah. Um, she, she's passed now, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's I so funny when I hear about all the mother-in-law stories because it's like, boy, I got lucky. Cause mine was awesome. <laughs> like, uh, my mother-in-law Shipley was probably a saint. She is, I swear she is. 
she was she would come over every day and help me with my son every day yeah and just and everybody all you women can relate to the two-year-old who can absolutely get into everything and climb everything and you might be at four o'clock in the afternoon you're still in your pajamas because you have not had 10 minutes quiet time where you could get into that shower she would come over every day and watch him so i could at least get my shower that is awesome and that's really awesome she used to say to me oh i feel like i'm being a burden or if i get to be an annoyance do you know how much i depended on her to come over every day oh yeah she, i bet she will be here in 30 seconds and it, you know you know what always killed me is was like oh when your baby sleeps you sleep uh no that's when i'm doing everything else i gotta get done like laundry or whatever washing my face or washing my butt <laughs> you know it's like gotta take a shower it's like yeah no that i remember having the baby monitor in the bathroom with me while i showered just so i could shower because i had you know maternity leave and mike's job for Haley at least he got paternity leave with Fiona, but the job he was at with Haley, he only got to leave, you know, to to see her, meet her, and he had to go back to work. Like, there was no, so it was just me a lot of the time by myself, except for at night. Um, and even then, I breastfed, so, you know, he would help as much as he could, but it's like, you can't breastfeed, so, and I couldn't pump, so he couldn't help in that department at all. So it's like, I have to shower. It's like Right. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I had this woman every day, Monday through Friday at my doorstep. That's and awesome. there would be days when she'd come to that door and I would just hug her and cry. Yeah. And she was one of those, it's okay, honey, we're going to get through this. And it was like, those words, hearing those words were I don't know. It's like breathing life back into you again. And every mom out there can relate to that because you, you do, you have those episodes or those periods where you question, am I doing this right? Am I good? Is my kid going to grow up warped is, I mean, you have all, all of this and, and your head no like rule book. There's no rule book. There's none of that. It's, they don't come with a manual. It's trial and error. Unless somebody stole my manual when I had my son, but he didn't come with one. Excuse there me. were just, and there's seriously, unless you have a very close relationship with an older woman, there's questions about your body and things when you mm -hmm. have a baby that the doctors never tell you. So I was fortunate. I could say, ask these what I thought were stupid questions yeah. they turned out to be legitimate questions and right. she could answer them. And I was like, wow, you yeah. are the source of all that there is, you know, you are Gaia woman. You know, she was right. a goddess and yeah. I was fortunate. I recommend, and I know I'm a great grandmother, so I can tell you it's hard sometimes not to step into mm -hmm. the fray but sometimes um, as younger moms, we want to prove we can do it all. There are times when we need to step back and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Because oh, yeah. it becomes overwhelming. It does. Absolutely. And those people that have all their kids close together, ooh, I don't know how they do it. Mine are spread apart and I have a hard enough time. 
but I don't think I could deal with like baby, 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 like, oh yeah, they're like 18 months apart. I'm like, no, why? Yes. <laughs> like, why? Do you I oh. mean, I, I get some of them are like, yeah, I get them done early and then, you know, but it's like, and of course, you know, to each his own, most of them are not planned anyway. So whatever. <laughs> um, but I do, I recommend for any of you, um, younger moms or those who are planning to be moms, just start thinking about, you know, the times when you're going to need somebody, the times when you're going to need that. If you have someone you can even pick up a phone call or zoom to, um, there's going to be times when it, it becomes a challenge and then it goes beyond the challenge and you need a phone number. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily have that grandmother to call or that's close by, but if you have good girlfriends and they're, they can relate and be like, you know, I'll call Pam. Guess what the hell happened? Fiona broke a second flat screen TV. You know, it's like, well, how does that happen? And yes, that's a true story. Um, <laughs> but it's it's nice to have someone you can talk to because there's a lot of things. Um, and we talk about it on Red Tent. If you get a chance to do Red Tents, um, if you guys do them in your different traditions or your different temples, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm going back on the Red Tent circuit again soon. Um, I've been requested. Um, it's, it's good to join a red tent, um, and have that group of your tribe of women, your village, that's going to help you raise this child and having a couple of different ideas, um, and, and things that you can think of to do because sometimes it won't work with one child. What worked with one won't work with another child. And I will tell you that I think they're purposely genetically predisposed that way because you get it down pat with this one and you have this one. And, it's- and it throws a wrench in the, in the whole thing. They're like, Hey, I did this again. That's actually kind of why I thought it was a bright idea to start my first degree when Fiona was a month old because my train of thought was, well, this isn't my first rodeo. I wasn't thinking that they're eight years apart. And you would not believe how much changes as far as baby products and things you can buy and different types of cribs and different types of strollers and different, just in eight years, just from 2009 to 2016. I'm I know. Like, and and like I said, if you don't have somebody who is, you know, you have a couple different opinions because what works for one won't work for another. But at least if nothing else, they can tell you the child will survive. Right. And also the same can be said for parenting styles. What, what you know, doesn't work for one parent works for the other. We all have different parenting styles. Um but really quickly, I wanted to touch on a couple other things as far as the kids go. And then we'll take a little, um, we'll wrap it up soon. But we do have to announce the winner of the giveaway. Um, so before I continue, we do have a winner. It, as some of you may know, we were doing a keyword. And so the keyword Um, For the past couple of weeks, or a few weeks, rather, during the month of April, as this is a new thing that we started doing, was Hersini, and um, it ended Sunday at, last Sunday, May 2nd at 9 p.m. We closed it off, and so we do have a winner, and it is Michelle from Colorado, 
So congratulations, you're gonna get a tea time mug. Okay, Michelle, we'll get that out um, this week in the uh, mail and get it out to you so that you now can have your mug. And if you can take a picture of the mug, um, Yes, or you can, if you don't want to be in the picture, as we said before, especially, well, I don't, I can't recall if she said she's near the mountains. Like, of course she is. She's in Colorado, but like, I mean, then you can just take a picture of the cup, you know, in front of the mountains, (laughs) have have the scenery in there. That would be Um, awesome. But yes, we will definitely get that out to Michelle. And thank you, Michelle, for listening to our show and for yes. you know participating in our cute little um, giveaway. Now, just to remind everybody, we're doing one giveaway a week mm-hmm. for the next couple of weeks. So we want to make sure you know everybody gets a chance. It's it's real easy. You have to be a subscriber to the YouTube. Yes, Tea Time with Mother and Crone. You just have to subscribe. And then also by subscribing, like we're recording this on Thursday night, you get to watch us while we're live and get a little sneak peek ahead of time. And we stream, of course, on Sundays, which is when most of you will be seeing this. Um, But yes, so you will just email teatimemc at gmail.com. And that's T-H-Y-M-E with the keyword, the correct keyword. And then we will put you in a drawing and pick a winner and announce it for the next week's show. So that is how that works. And you just have to be a subscriber to the YouTube channel. And for this week's keyword, it is mother. Okay, we're going to repeat it again. It is mother. Mother. See how many people. We'll repeat it a couple times during the show. So don't, you know, panic if you just tuned in and you're like, I missed it. No, we're going to repeat it. Click back and rewind. (laughs) Um, But yes. So Mother, Mother's Day. Today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's to all the mothers um, in every sense of the word, no matter what that means to you. so I thought that would be cool and just email us with the answer and subscribe and we will draw and announce it next week. But I wanted to touch on really quickly because we've talked a couple times about magic and food and setting intentions and the different properties of the different fruits and vegetables that a lot of us might not realize. One of the things um, a lot of people, and I noticed it, you know, in more recent times, well, and also in older times, um, that people are making their own baby food. Of course, we used to do that way back in the day, but then everybody was a Gerber baby, you know, everybody was a Gerber baby, but now it's sort of become like a trendy thing. They have like even a magic bullet for baby food. I mean, there's a whole world out there, um, which is great, but some people don't realize that these different things have magical properties as well. And I thought this was really interesting. So, and this is specific to baby food and magical attributes. So apple is for love, happiness, healing, peace, beauty, and vitality. Avocado is for beauty, love, calming, and dreams. Banana is calming, contentment, intelligence, and prosperity. Broccoli is health, protection, strength, and abundance. 
Carrot is luck, power, energy, insight, and clear vision, which literally it's beta carotene. <laughs> right. Um, cauliflower, relaxation, stamina, peace, and healing. Mango is cheerfulness, satisfaction, love, and luck. And then there's just a couple more. Pear is longevity, blessings, comfort, and solitude. And then sweet potato is health, strength, growth, and prosperity. Okay. So I thought that was, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then jumping forward to kid magic, we've talked about um, different things that you can do with your kids, different rituals, different ways to get them involved. Um, th these were a couple things that you could do with your kids. And one of the cool things that I read was a psychic coloring game. Ooh. I know. So it says, get some crayons in a coloring book and ask your child to select a page for you to color. Let your child look at the image for a moment, then ask them to close their eyes while color while you color something in. With eyes still closed, ask them if they can guess which color of crayon you used and what element of the picture you colored. For instance, did you color the doggy yellow or did you shade in the lady's hat blue with pink polka dots? Take turns and see how many correct picks you can make. You might start with just a few color choices, then incorporate more crayons as you get in more practice and sharpen your psychic skills. I thought that was so neat. That is actually something pretty awesome to start to see how yes, and you can have that skill. Yeah, and you can start them so young. And I'm a firm believer that we're all psychic. It's just a matter of practicing and it, honing it. I don't think that ever goes away. Um, well, so, if you ignore it, it, it's like a muscle. It's dormant. Muscle. Right. If you don't use it, it's going to atrophy and that it's just going to lay there. Pineal gland right there. <laughs> but once you start flexing that muscle and using it, it's going to develop. So that's not only a great way to develop it. Can you imagine the amazing fun that you can have with that? Oh my gosh, I know. I I, th I thought that was really neat. So I, I had to make sure I included it because I just thought that was so, so neat. Um, there's another thing that you can do called pick a crystal. Talk about five or so crystals and show the child all of them. Choose crystals of different varieties, such as smoky quartz, rose quartz, citrine, clear quartz, and amethyst. Of course, make sure they're large enough so the child doesn't choke. Um, encourage your child to touch and play the crystals. Let them get to know the energy of each crystal and then take the crystals away for a moment. Have the child close their eyes, then place one crystal in the palm of their open flat hand. Tell them to keep their eyes closed, but see if they can tune into the energy of that crystal and tell you which one it is. Wow, so I, thought, cool. I know. And then another, another variation of that is pick one of the crystals and let your child charge it, holding it in their hands and filling it with loving, happy vibrations. That's another lesson that can be learned, teaching your kids about charging and what that means. Okay. Yeah. And just tell them to hold the stone and think of something happy or something they love and send their energy into the crystal. Next, mix the crystals back together. 
Have your child close their eyes and place the crystals on their palm one by one, asking them with each crystal if that's the one they charged so that they can feel that energy. And I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times, and when I do readings or something, or when I'm doing Reiki sessions, I feel everyone does it differently. But like for me, it's almost like a rubber band pulling the middle of my palm is the only way. It's like a real tight tension. And then there's heat when I feel it. So I thought that was really neat. And there's all these little lessons in these fun things. And they're fun. They're fun. You can do them with your kids. My goodness, you can do um, the coloring book. I really like because that's something you can do at any age. Any because age. we all like to color, even me. Yeah. Have my well, even the crystal you can do with any age. Yeah. And then uh, it talks about touching trees, which I have a adorable picture of Fiona just like whispering to a tree. Oh my gosh, it was the cutest thing. We were at a park and she was just whispering, and then she would put her ear up to the tree. It was so cool. Um, but touching trees is another wonderful way to encourage your kids to explore the magic and energy of the world around them. Let them feel the various energies of different trees. Let them sit at the bottom of a tree and look up. Let them hug the tree. Let them feel the bark and the leaves. Let them try to stand like trees. Go to a park or wild area and show your children different trees like maples, oaks, or pines. Have them place a hand on the tree and ask them to notice what the tree feels like, what kind of energy it seems to have. After trying this with a few different trees, ask them to close their eyes. Lead them by the hand to touch one of the trees or perhaps a different tree of one of the same species. Ask your child if they can tell you which type of tree it is just by feeling its energies. I feel a camping trip with Crystal's Cavaliers coming on. I know. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And for those of you that don't know, Crystal Cavaliers is our children's ministry slash scouts group with the Corellian tradition. We are revamping the handbook to make it more Corellianized. Um, however, we are going to be starting to do ritual again. We're going to start being doing Zooms again and having the meetings with the kids and the different lessons and things like that and, and talking about and doing stuff just like this. The coloring, I could totally see us doing the trees and the coloring. Yeah, I can totally see that. You know, even with the quartz, um, with the, you can the actually, with the crystals, you can actually just go and get the rocks that you see. Yes, out in the wild. while you're out out in the world out and about type exactly thing. it does not have to be a mineral it can just be right it can actually yeah. be just it but it it's kind of fun you know to be able to do your witchy thing and include your child in a fun it, witchy thing where you're right and then like we've talked about before it it instill you know it it's memories it's what they're going to remember and what they made teach their children if their children you know decide to follow the path um and then it talks about earthing we've talked about that before um going barefoot is a great method for staying in tune and in touch with the grounding nurturing strengthening energies of mother earth if you're somewhere safe where the ground is free of pokey objects <laughs> encourage your kids to go barefoot 
Ask them if they can feel the energy of the earth climbing up through the soles of their feet to help nurture their spirit and ground their bodies. So there again is another lesson on grounding. You got the charging with the crystals, you got the psychic energies with the trees and the coloring game. And now you're learning how to ground. You're teaching them how to ground. And, and we've talked about this before. It doesn't have to be super complex and overwhelming. Like don't overwhelm your kids. They're not going to have fun. They're not going to want to do it. Um, and then there was rattle crafting, um, magical paper planes and helicopters bubble wishes uh, and you would love this a diy fairy garden Ooh. yeah and a boo-boo soothing charm for the oh. boo-boos oh my gosh that would be perfect because they can make their own boo-boo charm they can yeah. and it's basically just talking about um move your hand so so basically have the hand above the injury don't touch it, but instead just hover over it. And this is similar, you know, Reiki. Um, try to tune in to your child's energies. Move your hand back and forth and notice the difference in how the energy from the injured part feels in relation to the feeling you get from the surrounding skin. And this, of course, is like talking about scrapes and things like that. Not like a broken leg. <laughs> These are boo-boos, people. <laughs> um so can you feel heat or a sort of sharpness or tingling? This is the pain or infection. Move your hand as you, as if you are drawing this energy out and away from your child's body. Pull those painful energies up into your palm, hold them tightly in your fist, then shake your hand vigorously while you say or think neutralize. And this is, as you would know, Pam, this is basically Reiki. <laughs> We're going to say it's Reiki. It's Reiki. So I, that's all I have. Start that too young. Seriously. No, no. I like the idea of the boo-boo charm because many times when they fall and they get hurt and we all have been there, it's mm -hmm. not the hurt. It's no. something else causing it. But if you could give them, well, let's go find which boo-boo charm will work today. Right. And a couple of them made. Yeah, and it's not even about the hurt. It's the, like, if they get a scrape and it bleeds, oh, gosh. Like, forget it. If they see red, they think they're dying. <laughs> it's like, you, yeah, you have like to right in um, Holy Grail. I mean, Mon Monty right. Panjo was only a flesh wound. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. Yes, but unfortunately for our children, if it's just a bump, I mean, right. it, it, it makes sense to me if, to make three or four of those little bags, the boo-boo bags, and yeah. then the child can pick out which one is going to make that specific boo-boo feel better. And how cool would it be to even incorporate that with like our scouts, like first aid kit? Like you have the actual Western medicine meeting, you know, the spiritual side of it. I think that would be really cool. Like you get a, some neosporine, neosporine and a Band-Aid, and a boo-boo charm. <laughs> and a boo-boo charm. There you go. I mean, that's kind of very special for a child because um, many times the Band-Aid is, in their mind, curing the problem. It, yep. So if they're not necessarily physically hurt, it's more emotional or mm -hmm. spiritual, however they're feeling at the time. Sometimes right. I have put band 
dates and have no idea why, but the Band-Aid went on, the child felt better, and off they went. And that's all you're looking for as a parent, right. you know, is to make sure. And, you know, the kids will bump into something and a bigger brother or sister will say something smart and then the tears start. And mm -hmm. they are really not hurt physically, but you've made sure. I mean, you always double check, you know, yeah. but then you put the boo-boo Band-Aid on. Yeah, and don't even get me started on, like, with Fiona. And Haley did the same thing. If their, if their older sister is laughing, oh, she gets so pissed. Like, it doesn't matter if she's hurt or not. If she, if she thinks that you are laughing at her, yeah. oh, just get... And she's, like, doesn't... She does understand, but not in the moment. Like, we're laughing because you said something really hilarious as four-year-olds tend to do yeah. <laughs> it's like some, some off the wall thing that was just like oh my god i can't believe that just came out of her mouth um but yeah you know, what would be good. another neat thing to do in the first day kit is to get a couple band-aids and have the kids write sickles on them that would be really cool wouldn't it be cool write it you down the sickles so we don't forget. put on their boo-boo yeah, that would be so cool, like you a know. little healing sigil. You, you oh. write it on the wrapper, obviously, so you don't. Right. But I mean, just something like that would That's be. That's a cool idea. Interesting. The brain just kicks in occasionally, you know. Once in a while, it burps and something intelligent comes out. It scares me too, guys. Trust me. Or depending on how big the boo boo, you can put like if you have a gnarly big rug burn or something, then you could just put like a sigil and neosporin in that antibacterial. And yeah, lock that bandaid on it. There you no, go. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't even think about. We are so used to that Western medicine and, you know, okay, you fell, look, you know, you go through, it's bruised, you need um, right. to take away the bruising, so you need an anti-inflammatory, you need, I was trained in first aid, so you, you know, you go down what you need. Scouts is talking. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, hmm, maybe, you know, but if we start incorporating a little bit more of that Eastern medicine in there, like the sickles and the special boo-boo bags and all, I think that we're treating not just that boo-boo, but the whole The whole child. thing. And <laughs> that's what we've talked about, the mind, body, and spirit, the whole wellness and and like we've said, it's not. It doesn't have to be so complex and and no, so formal with the kids. They don't need all that. It's just the age of the child you're dealing with and what they can best understand. The Facebook thing about um, a woman, a four year old, was asking, you know, why her uncle was with another man, and they said, well, they love each other, and it's like, oh, okay, and you know, you're going to have another uncle. Okay. Can I have another cookie? The child is scarred for life. You know, most of the time, none of that sets in. They don't, they don't care about that stuff. It's just like, it's, it's the, the meaning, the feeling like you can remember when you fell and your mommy kissed your boo boo or, you know, wiped, brushed away your tear or, yeah. you know, you busted your lip and mom gave you that popsicle that you weren't supposed to have. Right. Kind of thing. She felt bad and you're pulling on her heartstrings because you got a busted lip. <laughs> and that's the easiest way I know to get ice on a kid's lip. Right. To get the swelling down is, is to give them a popsicle. So, I, I mean, you know, there was a reason behind it, but it, it also, it's that 
spirit and that mental that we're dealing with at the same time. So the child is taken care of physically. They've been given a treat so that makes brings their spirit up a little bit. And they're, you know, it's no longer so scary because mommy took care of everything. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that's and, really. And I have permission just going on the pagan parenting sort of thing because it's something new that I'm going to do that I, I never had the opportunity to have for me. And I didn't do it for Erica because she's not, you know, Haley and Fiona are following along more my footsteps, but I have permission. Um, Haley, we're going to be having a ceremony for her um, because today, womanhood. <laughs> Red hat. I cried. I freaking cried like a loser. No. But, <laughs> that is. That's she told me, and I was like, oh my God, Angela and I have been talking about this and planning this for years. And now we've, I immediately messaged Angela and I was like, the time has come. Start planning. <laughs> we've been talking about it for years. This and I already, coming I already told her. I know. I told her, I said, just get ready because all your fairy godmothers are going to be putting on a ceremony for you. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you've got to get Lord Dunn to get you the coming of age certificate he draws. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, that's mm. old school. That's old school. Some of us older ones remember I'll that. To, I'll have to butter him up. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I He did the coming of age when he did uh life rituals somewhere in my probably have it in a binder somewhere i have it in a binder but yeah um you might just wanna you know so you know you have to come up for that oh my goodness yes i definitely have to come up (laughs) with that that's got to be something that is we always talked about it as the curse Mm -hmm. the the bad stuff but we don't celebrate the fact i mean men celebrate when young men come of age right and we never celebrate ourselves we're we always put it in the dark yeah and you know what's really neat is some of the pagan parenting groups i've seen lately which i didn't know it was a thing but now i'm hopping on the bandwagon because i think it's really neat they are putting together like care packages for their daughters almost like a big gift for the coming of age and it'll have like a a cycle tracker journal type thing. It'll have like different, you know, red candles. It'll have like a pack pads or something like that, you know, like a care package. But, and, but there's some that are so elaborate and really thoughtful. And it's like, wow, how cool that would have been so cool if I would have had like something like that. Um, I literally got mine um, playing basketball. I've told the story before I was only nine and I yeah. had no idea when I came running in the house, I thought I was dying, of course. Right. Um, and I remember my father's first words were, she's not old enough. <laughs> my stepmother reporting, uh, well, I have to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Mother nature disagrees. <laughs> yeah. <as well. laughs> but we've been told for years that it was, I mean, for a long time it was celebrated. And then all of a sudden now it's been yeah. shoved under the rug. Well, yeah, because society, just like with anything else, you know, pokes fun at it. It's disgusting. You know, there's like that whole famous joke, like, I don't believe anything that bleeds for five days and doesn't die. Yeah. So we even we even had a conversation about that today 
um, about how, you know, cause she was like, why a ceremony? And I'm like, dude, like, this is a big deal. Like, it's not gross. It's none of that stuff. Like you need to embrace it. You're, you know what I mean? So I she think was- if that had been done for me and for a lot of other women in my age group, um, we probably would have had a whole different attitude towards, um, it happening and dealing with it every month as it was, we felt it was a drudgery. We felt it was horrible. We felt, I mean, we didn't have any feeling about ourselves. So if you feel something you're doing is bad, you feel bad about your whole self. Right. And she's even, and she even actually mentioned that she was like, um, cause I was like, are you guys talking about, um, you know, cause she had some questions and I, and you, we've talked, touched on it a little bit before, but not super in depth. Of course, today we went way more in depth. Um, but she was like, why does everyone, I thought it was like, so like bad. And is it as bad as everyone says it is? And I'm like, listen, you might have cramps. You might not. Everyone is different. It's something you deal with. It's not the most comfortable. It's, you know, this and that. But I said, but looking at the big picture, it's something to be celebrated, you know, and we have that whole conversation. So, right. It's like cutting your teeth. Yes. It hurts, but it's a milestone. Right. You know, or giving birth. Right. We're not even going to talk about that one. Right. Right. You know, it's it's just bringing them up and that's really important for our young girls, for them to have good positive body image. It's the whole body. Right. So when you tell it one part is not good or one part is trouble or one part's problems, then it becomes, it encompasses the whole body at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So so I wanted to, she was giving me a hard time earlier and I threatened to, (laughs) I said, don't piss me off. I'm going to tell everyone on the air what happened. She was like, do it. And she was like, I don't care. And she was like being this smart ass. And I was like, okay, girl. (laughs) But, but I mean, that jokes aside though, I thought it was a good thing to bring up for this episode because that's not something I had when I was, you know, no. And that's very important in our path. We celebrate it. It's coming of age. We have a name for it. We have a ceremony for it. There is a ceremony for coming of age, by the way. It's yeah. in the book. Um, but there's a whole thing that you can do. I've, I've been privileged to attend a couple of these. I've never hosted one, but I've been as an attendee. And of course, I ball like a baby every time. I'll tell you that ahead of time. But it is so enlightening to see even years later, these young women are now embracing it. They're like, okay, well, hey doesn't mean I have to, okay, there's some things I'm going to do today. I might not do tomorrow. Um, I understand my body's changing. So these girls, not only are they more equipped physically to handle it, they're more equipped mentally to handle it because they know what's going to happen. You know, the breakage, but it's not going to last the rest of your life, honey. This is what, you know, I'm being able again to have that older female around who can, you know, fill you in on some of the horror stories we tell each other as we sit there right. and our tea. But, you know, just to give them that little reinforcement. Uh, and it empowers a woman. She's in control of her body. And she understands it. Nothing is worse than having something go on with your body and you not know what it is. Oh, gosh, yeah. Get sick or have something go wrong and you have to go to a doctor for tests. 
you are out of control at that point because you don't oh. know what they're going to tell you. Oh, I know. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. I, I thought it was good to bring up. I know. Well, we're all talking about Mother's Day now. I'm telling you, I'm loving this because the first Mother's Day and the first Father's Day are guests from what state? Yes, my home state of West Virginia. <laughs> woo, woo. Let's hear it for West Virginia. Um, it's, it's really weird because when you start researching this, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Um, but the first Mother's Day was actually Grafton, West Virginia. I'm not too far from there. I did not know that. Yes, um, I, I knew this story because, okay, let me explain. West Virginia doesn't have a whole lot to go whoop whoop for. So when you drive into some of these little towns, like the first Father's Day was, is, was actually done in Fairmont, West Virginia, which is where my birth certificate says I was born. So when you drive into Fairmont, it says home of the first Father's Day. So, oh, cool. Yes, it does. So they have these little placards up. And as a kid, you see them and you totally ignore them. Then as you get to be an adult, you're like, wait a minute, the first Father's Day was in Fairmont. You yeah. know, like, oh, wow, West Virginia is on the map. But most people don't know it. Um, the very, very first one that was official. Now, you have to understand the woman who did this, um, her mother died in Grafton and she was very upset and, you know, just wanted to celebrate and continue on her mother's love by celebrating a day for all moms, because when you lose your mom, it is a devastating loss. And, um, the very first one was celebrated in 1907 and mm -hmm. Anna Jarvis was the, the young lady who held the uh, memorial for her mother at St. Andrew's Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. Wow. So, uh, yes. And I just love it. And now, now the church holds the International Mother's Day Shrine. So if you ever wow. want to go to the shrine, you need to go to Grafton, West Virginia. Grafton is um, outside. Now, this is sad. I'm going to tell you where it's at because you're never going to find it. It's outside of Morgantown, um, Fairmont area. And it's um, if you look for Morgantown, then you look for Fairmont, and then you're going to find Grafton. You know, you, you when you're from a small right. town, you start with the community and you work your way up to a town where someone goes, I know that. And that's yeah, exactly. But um, it is, they have a shrine there that you can go visit. It gets very busy on Mother's Day, obviously. Uh, a lot of the natives are, are there, you know, the West Virginians are very proud of that. Um, so it was just, it was kind of cool, you know, to, to research it and find out. Now, they have been trying to celebrate mothers a different way since millennium, you know, so I'm not even going to tell you how many years it went on. But that was actually the very first one. So in 1908, the U.S. Congress, um, they at first rejected it, believe it or not. And... Um, because they said if you did that, you would also have to have a mother-in-law's day. But owing to the efforts of Anna Jarvis, nothing was going to stop her. Um, by 1911, all U.S. states observed the holiday. So finally, um, they officially started recognizing it. And, um, of course, the first state to do it 
was West Virginia. Um, in 1914, Woodrow Wilson signed a proclamation designating Mother's Day be held on the second Sunday as May as a national holiday to honor mothers. So you can thank Anna Jarvis from Grafton who wanted to celebrate it. Now, it has gone out everywhere. Mother's Day is something that is celebrated around the world now. So I think it's very special that something that big started in a little place called Grafton, West Virginia. Um, so I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, West Virginia. So we got both Mother's Day and Father's Day. So, y'all, I'm sorry if you're from another state, you know, <laughs> we'll try to smile about it. Um, but it, it was really nice. So it is now all international. Almost every country celebrates it on the second Monday, second Sunday, Sunday. May. Wow, that's cool. So that's a pretty cool little story. So now you know where it yeah. came from. Uh, you can thank Anna Jarvis. If you get a chance, I have been to the church. Um, it's my home state. It's not too far from where I'm from. Uh, as we say, you know, it's just around the bend in the holler. Um, <laughs> that cracks me up every time, the holler. I, I know. People <laughs> just look at me and they go, you really? Yeah, I grew up in a holler. Yeah. Um, you say holler, you're like, yeah, you're from West Virginia. <laughs> I'm a holler girl. No, I say right cheer. That means I'm from West Virginia instead of there you West go. That's, that's, that is a typical West Virginia word. But um, if you get a chance to go to Grafton and you obviously will stop at the United Methodist Church there and they do have a shrine and it's very beautiful. Um, it's not super ornate, but it's it, the simplicity will is what you want for your mother. You know, it's very beautiful. But um, I hope all the moms around get to have a nice Mother's Day. Um, this is uh, my eighth Mother's Day at the great-grandmother, so it's kind of like, wow. Um, yeah. I, I just never thought I would live long enough to see grandchildren, let alone great-grandchildren. So I am extremely blessed. Um, I am very excited that um, my family still celebrates um, paganism on top of it. So, yes. you know, we're passing down <laughs> mother yeah. to daughter. And uh, it, it's really cool. But um, this is a time to start thinking about if you have girls, the coming of age, if you have younger girls. Um, it doesn't matter when you celebrate it, really. It's just as long as you celebrate it. Um, red tents are very important. If you don't have one in your group, um, there are gazillion of them online on Zoom everywhere. Um, if you do have a group and have one, you know, put it out there, especially for Mother's Day. Red tents are very important. Since we don't have that communal living anymore, um, right. our red tents allow us that open area where we can safely say things or ask things. Because as you go from maid mother to crone, you go through not just physical changes, but mental and psychological changes. So it's really nice to be able to come into a safe forum where you can ask a question or if you can get confirmation on something or if you just need an outlet to say, oh my gosh, you will not believe what happened. Um, most red tents are open forums. None, none should ever be recorded. I know the ones I do are never recorded. It's open forum. Um, if I don't know the answer to something, I've been known to say, hang on and literally go to my bookshelf and pull a book out and come back and say, this is, you know, this, right, um, right. 
it's a time of information. It's a time of learning, but it's also a time of coming together as women to celebrate who we are and what we are. We are a force to be dealt with, and it's time that we took back that power. And we need to, it's not taking away the power from the men. We need to build our power up to be equal. Yes. Because that's what we are. We are equal partners in a relationship. Um, yes. And the red tents are an excellent source of that. Our green tents, I don't know of many groups that do green tents, but um, Reverend Chad, who does a wonderful men's green tent, um, allows men the same privilege to come together in a safe environment to discuss things where, again, we're not living in multi-generational communities anymore. So you don't get those words of wisdom, you know, um, like, well, we you also know, have stop teething. Oh, gosh, I know. Then we also have the rainbow tent. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things out there. There's a lot of good resources. Um, you can also find us on Corellian Times uh, Facebook page. We're putting a lot of it's a yes, it's Corellian Times because it's written and created by Corellians. But it's a pagan. It's a pagan paper. It's a you know, newsletter. Yeah. It's got a lot of relatable things. Um, and if you're interested in Crystal Cavaliers, it is for the Corellian tradition, um, children's ministry slash scouts. You're welcome to message me or message the Tea Time page or email, and I can always give you more information about that. Of course, dealing with minors, super, super private, privacy laws, that whole thing is taken into account, permission slips, the whole nine yards, and it's ages three to 18, so... But it is something to keep in mind, um, especially if you have younger girls. Um, start thinking about what's going to happen and how you need to celebrate that and how you need to focus on that for because them. I'm doing it now yeah. <laughs> as of today. She can tell you how she's sweating this one out. I'm like, oh. But I do think it was kind of cool that it was like just in time for Mother's Day. I thought that was kind of, you know. Yeah, that's kind of special. Kind of like she waited to let you. Now you've gone yeah. to school. And even like she, she was like, can I text Erica, which is her big sister, my 22 year old. And I was like, yeah, it's your sister. Like, yeah, you can talk about stuff like that, you know? And then, uh, I texted Erica separately and I was like, um, Haley is going to have something to tell you FYI. And then she, she messaged me back and she goes, I know cry face, waterfall, cry emoji, because even as a sibling, you know, when you have those relationships and you've gone through it and it's like, Oh, my baby sister is, you know, it's like She's growing up. Right. And they're yeah. 10 years apart. So it's like, you know, and, so. it's, and it's difficult, you know, um, and it's great. You've got a heck of a foundation for her. She's, she's able to talk to many, many women. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and you'll find that out in a lot of your circles as you start, um, it, as you start coming around more and more, and I'm going to say pagans as a whole, um, because we're usually a little bit more freer and we talk about these things a little bit more because it is a part of our tradition. It is a part of our path. It's part of who we are. And, right. you know, something that's natural. It natural. should exactly. not be talked about. So, you know, time for swooping it under the rug is done, but it is definitely something. And if your group does not do coming of age ceremonies, um, we in the Corellians, goodness, we are so prepared. We have the whole um, life 
celebrations and it is about we go everywhere from birth to adoption to adult adoption to coming of life to funerals and everything it's in a book for us that is written up by lord don and you are able to do the ceremonies read through the book and understand a few things if you don't have any boys kind of like you did not embrace with the son um, the coming of age for a young man is in there, which I needed for my son and yes. my grandsons. So that was, you know, a page I could look at because I know about coming of age for a girl. I'm a girl kind of, and yeah. I, I remember going through that, but right. I had no idea coming of age for a young man because I'm obviously not that, but right. um, I was able to do it. So there are resources out there for you. But this is, um, if you're with a group, this is a great time for your group to get together, um, brilliant or not, to maybe come up with um, these kind of services so that, yeah. you know, you're not left hanging in the wind, so to speak, when this time comes. Because I know with Angela, she's got the book. She's probably already got your certificate half built out. Yeah, I already I know. know. Like it's a, we've been planning it for years. We're just waiting for it to happen. So when I messaged her today, I'm like, it happened. <laughs> like, and she knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> so as you can see, then that would be, you know, something that is brought to the group. And it's not a shame thing. It's a wonderful thing. And that's what we're trying to do is to let women know and young girls that it, it is not horrible. You will survive. Yes. And, it and it's also important to instill that it's not shameful. You know, I immediately told my husband, she was at first reluctant, like, Oh, I don't want dad to know. I'm like, listen, he's married to a woman. He's got three daughters. Like, you know, this is, he, this is his second go round. And then he's got one more after you. So it's like, and it's natural. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Men know that it exists. It's nothing, you know, that we can control. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So I think instilling that at a young age is really important. It is. Um, and that, that it's not to be swept under the rug, that it is what it is. If you're not feeling good, cause you have your period, you're not feeling good because you have your period. I'm not feeling good. I have allergies, as you can hear. Yeah. This is the first day I've been able to actually. Um, be I just got over free. mine. You just got over yours, and I got mine Monday. I didn't think I was going to make it through work. I was so sick. But just like I have my allergies, I mean, why am I ashamed of having allergies? You right. Know, you shouldn't be ashamed of your body. So. Exactly. That's and okay. definitely do the coming of age for boys too. not leaving them out. Just focused more on this because I it happened today <laughs> and it was fresh on my mind. But definitely make sure you include the boys. It's just as important. And fathers, don't be jealous because we have your show covered next month. We'll be all about the daddies next month. We're going to have another lesson from West Virginia. I'll, put oh, my West, yes. I'll yes. wear my West Virginia Mountaineer, you know, yes. shirt. Uh, yeah, I do have several. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm from, and I'm going, I'm actually going back there in July. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. I well, be sure. Yeah. She'll have all her stuff on. <laughs> and, um, as a reminder, keyword is mother, mother, oh. email teatimemc at gmail.com. And we will announce the winner next week. Okay, so make sure that you guys write that down, get it into us. Um, Michelle, I remember that name. That's my oldest one's name, Michelle. So that, that stuck. Yep. So Michelle from Colorado. 
Michelle from Colorado. I'm very excited for you. We'll be sending your mug out this week. So if you could send us a picture back when you get it, just say you got it. So we know it made it there. Post um, it on the Tea Time Facebook page. We will definitely post it on our page. We might even, if one of us figures out how to work our computers, we can actually print it off and, you know, <laughs> hold it up. I'm still working on figuring out mine. Uh, mine has been a... a that's okay. In your allergies. Sleep. <laughs> yeah, the last two weeks have been an absolute riot for me. So oh, I'm I trying to get my life back together. Um, I will be in Jacksonville over Mother's Day. Um, then at the end of the month again. Yes. For a, another event. Uh, July, I will be coming to you probably. For, I will be coming to you from West Virginia. Um, yeah. That's going to be interesting. That'll um, be fun. Well, yeah, I have to find out who has internet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you if that to, has to be our bye week, that's okay too. <laughs> well, you have to understand it's a mountainous state, and if you're in certain areas, we have oh, yeah. dead areas. So it's oh, kind of like um, you take the cell phone and you go out. Oh, signal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah, can you hear me now? So I will be um, actually coming next month to you from West Virginia. So um, we might. Ooh, you should go to the shrine. You should go to. I could actually go down to. Or the take a picture place. in front of the sign. I can go For down Grafton. to Grafton. Grafton's only going to be about uh, maybe an hour from where I'm at. Um, you can get a picture in front of the Father's Day sign for next month. Sure. What I'm going to try to do is um, get a hold of some of my other relatives out there and see if we can't come up with a little bit of what we call home homegrown magic. That would be awesome. Yeah, pull up some of the superstitions and the cool things that have happened in West Virginia. And we'll talk about Appalachia. Apple, get that Appalachia magic. Get that Appalachia out on us here. Um, uh, that's going to be fun. I'm going to see if I can't um, tap into some of my relatives be down there, um, see who I can blackmail into giving me information. <laughs> um, but it's it's going to be fun. I enjoy going back on occasion to see my what's left of my family. Um, we just lost the last member of my father's generation, so we are down to my generation now. So it's it's getting smaller as time goes on, but um, we all understand. It's the cycle of life, but uh, doesn't make it any easier. Um, so it's going to be, you know, I like to go back just to visit that. But when you're talking about your mom, now you got to remember when mom's not around. Now is the time, and I, I, I really, really push this to get your information, your background, anything that your mother can provide to you. Number one, health-wise, and number two, in your family. And number three, just things about you as a child so that you do carry them and write them down for posterity. Because if you Absolutely. don't have your mom around, um, my mom was gone when I was young. I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant. I just know I didn't like the taste of milk. So when I had my son and we were having issues with formula, uh, fortunately, my aunt was like, oh, well, don't you remember when you were a baby, you couldn't drink milk either? Right. <laughs> oh, who knew? And she was like, yeah, you were on goat's milk. And I was like, nobody in my entire family up until when I had my son had told me that. Nobody. And it came as a complete, like, out of the, like, why was no one ever telling me this stuff? 
Yeah. And she, they, everybody assumes that your mother gives you this information. That yeah. does not always happen. So I like to tell everybody, if you're a mom, you need to write down everything about your children, put it in their baby books, and hand it to them. Um, yes. My son was able to take his baby book for his firstborn, and yes, she had a couple things that he had that we knew wasn't a problem because yeah. he had it and I had documented it. So just little things like that. So a great thing for your mom would be to sit down and actually talk to your moms. They have these cool things out now that has um, their like mother daughter journals where it has like a mother side, a daughter side, and they right. have it for mother son and vice versa. Um, and you, it's kind of like a conversation and it's like a getting to know yes. you and how it was when you were a kid. I have a couple of them, um, that I've picked up that I have, that have not been used yet. So we need to do that, but it was such a great show. Yes. We are long on time as usual, but it was so much fun. We don't care. <laughs> um, and it was a great show. I mean, honestly, we, we could do several shows on pig and parenting and you know and we will we'll we'll sprinkle them throughout with our experiences and different things we can do but um it was such a great show and next week we're going to go into divination okay so now you all need to pay attention to the divination part we're going to have a little divination series. So each week we're going to highlight a little different divination each week. So it's going to be fun. So it's going to be a little hands-on. So we're going to have a couple things we're going to show you. So we're going to, we might not be in the same venues because we might have to move tables and chairs so we can right. show you what we're doing. Right. Um, I know I'm going to have to shift gears to, you know, make mine work, but right. uh, we definitely want to do that. And again, Remember, guys, if you've missed one of our shows and you're interested in it, Melinda has done an excellent job at saying what our shows are each time and giving a little, you know, intro on the clips. So if you go into our history pages um, for YouTube or anything like that, you can flip through and see which one you missed or see something that you might want to, you know, tap back in on that we said something and you, you now have mother's memory, as I call it. Um, where it's scattered all over the world. Oh God, um, yeah. yeah, you know, and you want to bring something back up. We do offer parenting and almost, if you notice almost every other episode, we have a little parenting gig in there because that's who we are. We're parents. Right. So we, we throw this stuff Mother. in sometimes. And I don't even remember half the time someone will say something to me about my daughter, especially will say, you know, on the show, you said that and I'm like, I did. Like, oh yeah. Watch your shows. This like, is like this is like a reading. Like we're we're just going with the flow, and it's like we don't remember what happened after the fact. We just know it was good. <laughs> our script is literally here. We right. have the basic idea. We have, That's some, we have some good information that we'll talk about and research yeah. and things. Like that. Um, we have great information. You know, it's called you know, internet. Internet. <laughs> Um, but, but the other thing is we do really several sources, like we've said before, but, um, and of course, when it comes to magical things, it's more, whatever your preference is, but, um, but it was really great. I had lots of fun. I loved it. Uh, remember to, if your mom's here or not here, just say hi to her. Yes. And, um, remember again to watch us next week. 
so you can see who won this week. So maybe you can win next week. Okay. That's right. And you can listen on for that keyword. <laughs> yeah. We got to figure out a keyword now. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. that's the easy part. <laughs> that's our part. All right. She's saying it's easy. I'm sitting here going, I can't remember my name, let alone a, a word of the week. So we want to thank everybody for stopping in again. Um, remember, keep it witchy. Keep it real. See you later. Bye.